The following teaching is brought to you by Crosspoint Church. For sermon notes and other resources, visit go to crosspoint.com. So this week is our last weekend in uh, major messages from Minor Prophets. And so I'm going to read in Haggai. There are so many ways to say this. I just feel like we should all brush up on our Hebrew for this summer. But we're going to be in Haggai 1, starting in verse 2. So I'll give you guys a chance to either open up your paper Bibles. We have Bibles given They're in the racks in front of you, or there's baskets on your aisle, or you can open them up in your mobile device. Here we go. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. The people are saying, the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the Lord sent this message through the prophet Haggai. Why are you living in luxurious houses while my house lies in ruins? This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. You have planted much, but harvest little. You eat, but are not satisfied. You drink, but are still thirsty. You put on clothes, but cannot keep you warm. Your wages disappear as though you were putting them in pockets filled with holes. This is what the Lord of Heaven's army says. Look at what's happening to you. Now go up to the hills, bring down timber, and rebuild my house then I will take pleasure in it and be honored, says the Lord. Hey, good to be with you guys all here on Memorial uh, Day weekend. Uh, Just a quick bit of family kind of business here. So if you're brand new to our church or wondering, whatever, you can just shop on Amazon right now or put your earbuds in. Just a quick bit of stuff. We're not an organization. We're a family. From time to time, we got to gather in the family room. We got to chat. So uh, maybe it's just me, but have you guys, have you noticed it seems like everybody's polarized and has strong opinions about everything political parties sports teams shoot restaurants have crazy it's just like that in much church folks in the christian community a lot of times there's different opinions about things like spiritual gifts or the second coming or the biblical position on divorce and remarriage or on things like alcohol and, and, and all those kind of things. And this past weekend, well, one of the issues we touched on was the issue of guns and gun violence. And this is probably not a problem for any of you. But for me, whenever I feel strongly about something and I start talking about my strong personal convictions about what I believe about something, you know the only thing I talk about is my convictions, because I feel strongly about him. And I'm, gonna give, I'm, I'm excited about that. And sometimes I will do that in a way that, that, that minimizes or neglects very legitimate opposite viewpoints than mine. And that, that's, it doesn't mean that mine wrong or you're right. or right. It's just I mean we have different ways to look at this. And I feel like this past weekend here at Crosspoint, uh, that happened for some of us. And I'm sorry about that. It wasn't our intention at all. It was well-intentioned, all that kind of thing. We should have been perhaps more careful and more precise in the language. Now, here's the deal, too. Uh, The people who get up on this stage, myself, 
other pastors and leaders that get up here. Uh, I'm about to blow your mind with this. We are, wait for it, real human beings. We have real stories and real things that have happened to us, that have shaped us, informed us, our personal convictions and, and things like that, even recognizing there's different ways to look at all this. And so, uh, I, and from time to time, because of that, when we're expressing ourselves, uh, maybe you never do this, but I know that from time to time I go, I wish my communication would have been more nuanced, more precise, and all that. Here's the deal for us here at Cross Point. We are committed to this, that Jesus is central, the Bible is final, and we want all kinds of people to discover and follow Jesus. We don't want anything to be a distraction or dilute that or, or make that difficult for anybody. Now, uh, if you have some more questions about that and are wondering, okay, what about this, what about that, and want to process that some more with me, on the connection card they had you fill out, uh, do me a favor and just jot your name down there. Well, jot your name on it, but put down there, hey, I have some more questions about that. And we'll chat. I've had a bunch of conversations this week. People that love the message. People that were different ways about that. So just put that on there. We'll get to that, okay? The grand finale of major messages through the minor prophets uh, is, is coming this week. And it's, the, the, the minor prophets are not minor. It's not like major leagues and minor leagues. We're like, there's the great players and the guys that can't quite cut it. These, the reason they're called major and minor is the major guys are long-winded and the minor guys are more concise. Uh, so they don't, they don't take 45 chapters to say the thing. They go, I can do it in three. So that's how, kind of what's going on there with the reason they're called minor prophets. Um, and I want to also encourage you, next week starts our summer series called Strange But True, Crazy Stories from the Bible. And next week, on the bottom of that note sheet, on the back of that program you have, we're going to look at the story of a talking donkey, Balaam and his donkey. And we're going to look at crazy stories like that all summer. So come on out for that. Be here for that. Uh, I promise you this next weekend, what you'll experience here at church will be different than anything you've probably ever experienced in a church ever. It's going to be awesome. It'll be fun, exciting. So come on out for that. We're also giving you the, the verses, the things we're looking at, so that when you hear these crazy, strange stories that maybe nobody's really ever talked about before, you can get a, a, a quick run-up at it so you're not hearing about it the first time on Sunday and, or Saturday night. So uh, go read it yourself. Check it out yourself this week sometime. The verses are there. In, in Haggai, which is how the Hebrew people say it, if you're American, you'd probably say it Haggai. That's how I grew up hearing it. But uh, this, God sends Haggai to the people and says, hey, how come you're not building my temple? And you're going, well, what's the temple? What's going on here? To set some context for that, to know really what's going on here, I got a little time frame thing up here. You can write it down if you want, but here's what's happened. God, for hundreds of years, had told his people, his chosen people, Israel, hey, stop worshiping the false gods of the, of the nations around you. Stop it, stop it, stop it. And he said, and at one point, he said, all right, you're not going to do it. You like the Babylonian gods so much, you're going to go to their country. You're going to go to their home field. And he exiled sent thousands of them. Uh, they, they obliterated the capital, demolished the wall, tore down the temple, everything there, demolished the country. And they were there in Babylon for a bunch of years. And then Persia comes in and Persia takes over the, uh, the Babylonian Empire. And they're the world superpower. And in fi uh, 538 BC, the Persian king Cyrus allows uh, and the return of the people, the exiles who had been relocated to Babylon and Persia 
to go back to Israel and to rebuild their city and rebuild their temple and reestablish some things there. And in 536 BC, the construction on the temple starts to rebuild the temple. Now for you and I, okay, so just go build a church somewhere. Who cares? Well, see, in that world, they had like all their various synagogues, but there was one temple, not lots of temples to go check out, one temple. And for them, for the Jewish people, it's for the place where the glory of God dwelt. And for them, what the temple meant was, we don't serve a king. Ultimately, we serve the king. We serve Jehovah God. And so that temple was dramatically important for their culture and for their identity. And so they get going on it. The, the, the construction starts. Uh, if you want to do a deeper dive on some of the, the backstory of all this, read the book of Ezra. Ezra tells the story of the rebuilding of the temple and the challenges and the exciting things that happened there. But in 534, two years later, things just stall out. And that's why God sends Haggai to them and says, hey, you're saying the time's not right. Now, for you and I today, you're hearing this going, so I don't have a building to build, Steve. What's the, what's the point here? It's not about maybe building a building, but sometimes God, there's things in our life that God says, this should be a priority for you. There's some things in your life that you've been going, well, is it really the time right now? Is, is the time really right for this right now? And, and so we can be, we got to be careful with that. And he's saying, look, I don't know if it's a building for you, probably not a building for you. Maybe it's things like in, in your, with your money or your health, with your marriage, with besetting problems of sin and addiction and things that just, secret sins that nobody knows about, it keeps plaguing you, it's making a mess out of things there. It might be some forgiveness issues, some unresolved stuff in your past that you really haven't taken care of the way you need to. Um, some other issues. I was talking to somebody on our team, they said for years they had this legal thing kind of hanging over their heads for, for years back here. And they finally said, you know, it's time to take care of that. Because for years they thought, well, like the people of Israel said, just not the right time for me right now. Had all kinds of reasons for that. Sometimes it's not just so much to get some things together because there's some bad stuff going on in your life. Sometimes God's going to say, I want to use you for something. I want you to take a chance on jumping on a team here at Crosspoint or going on a missions trip or doing something exciting and significant with your life. And you're going to go, oh, I'm not sure I'm up for, for that. Uh, for some of us, it's to become a Christian. To become a Christian and get baptized. Like, oh, I'm not sure it's the right time. And you have all this stuff in your head going, I don't have this worked out, I don't know about this, what about that, what about that. God's going to say, hey, from time to time, it's time to get going on stuff. For some time, I was talking to a guy who, uh, some people have shared with me that the best and worst day of their life was that they lost their job. Because all of a sudden, it's like, you know, I've been thinking I wanted to get branch out into something else. For some people, he just said, look, I felt like for a while I, I wanted to start. I wanted to start a, a company or do this myself. And I kept thinking, I kept rationalizing, not making excuses, kind of forced that to happen. And then one quick thing, too, that for some of us we need to pay attention to is this, that um, I've been a, a Christian and a pastor now for 30 or 40 years. And all kinds of things that God deals with us in our life as we grow in our faith in him. I've discovered now with almost every Christian I've ever met, brand new Christians, long-term Christians, that the last big holdout for us in terms of really surrendering to God is generosity with our money. It's like, yeah, and then people are going, you're already getting tense about it. You're going to write me notes about things right now. About it. I get it. 
We're not talking, it's not a money sermon today, but it's like that's the, that's the last holdout. And God goes, hey, it's time to start taking some action on that. Now, what I wanted to do today was go, okay, have a wheel up here where we would spin the excuse wheel of all the reasons why we say the time isn't right, like the Jimmy Kimmel thing where they spin the little thing and it comes in there when they do the karaoke thing and they make people do that. We, we, I, but if somebody put some excuses up here of why we say it's just not the right time. Sometimes the reason it's not the right time, you know why? I just don't want to. I know I got problems. I know I got things I should deal with my money, my finances, my kids, whatever. I just don't want to. You know why we say that? Because it doesn't hurt bad enough yet. It's like I want to tell them, look, man, you don't want to get to this place where you're like crisis and all hell's breaking loose in your life. Deal with it now when it's small. Uh, sometimes it's, I'm too busy. This is the thing we have in our culture all the time right now. When, in fact, we, don't, don't you say that's like a badge of honor. Hey, how you doing, Kevin? How you doing, John? How you doing? Oh, man, I'm just so busy. Like, oh, I'm awesome. I'm amazing. You know, I, a guy told me last night, he said, uh, we're as busy as we want to be, and you will have time and money for things that are really important to you. Even when things are tight and difficult, you will, you will figure it out. Uh, sometimes, too, it's, I'm just not up to it. I'm not smart enough, skilled enough, attractive enough, rich enough gifted enough I'm not enough and so what we will tend to do then is tend to go okay I know I, sh- I we, we should do something here but let's get someone else to do it someone else will give someone else will serve someone else will will do that will deflect it off that way and then sometimes see the classic one is just later I know it's important but Steve right now my life is so busy and the kids and the career and the commuting and all that stuff it's just it's not the right time. It's just, I'll, I, I'm going to do it. Just I can't do it right now. Um, one of the ones, too, I hear, too, all the times is, I'm just not ready. Just not ready for that. I hear this from people who, everything from becoming Christians to getting married, taking action on obedience. And I'm just, I, I know I should. I'm just not ready. Look right at me for a second here. For the most important things in your life, you're never ready for them. Becoming a Christian, following Christ, if you're waiting to be ready for that, to feel ready for that, you're never going to be ready. Uh, And and those of us that, remember when you thought you were ready to get married and discovered, oh gosh, what, what, was it 10 minutes in? The the honeymoon wasn't even over. You're going, what in the heck? And then with kids and and all that stuff, I'm not sure I'm ready. I'm telling you, you don't feel like, those of you that thought you were ready got humbled quickly with that. Sometimes it's just, it's too difficult I, it's, it's just, it's, it's, a, it's a problem. I should probably do something in my marriage with my kids. It's just, I, I can't do anything about it. We kind of feel powerless. I just, I'm overwhelmed with this addiction that I have, with these besetting problems from my life, with how I was raised, with stuff in my past and experience. I just, it's too hard. It's too difficult. And then one of the big ones too, where I feel like it's not, I'm not ready. We make excuses is what if I fail? Or what if I fail again? Because, Steve, I've tried this. I took the classes. I went to counseling. I did some things, and it, it didn't work. Let's just, uh, just resign yourself to the fact it's just the way it is, and, oh, well, nothing we can do about it. So Haggai comes, God sends Haggai there to the people of Israel and says, hey, what are you doing here? You got started, but you've just said it's not the right time. He says, come on, let's go. And then those verses just Beth just read for us, it's interesting that he says, hey, and look at your life right now. You're not making God the priority of your life. How's your business going? 
How's your family going? He said, look, things are happening here and it's not going the way you want it to. He says, come on, let's go. How's it going? He says, if you will start to honor me, then you'll start to experience the benefits of that. Here's what we want, though. We want God to honor us first, and then we'll honor him. God goes, we never do it that way, because all you're going to do is just keep chasing the idols and the culture of the world around you. You make me central first and watch what happens. So he says in verse 12 now, Haggai 1, verse 12, it says, Then Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, and Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, for those of you millennials and people having kids someday, I dare you on that name. <laughs> that would be an awesome name to have watched them stumble that over registration. The high priest and the whole remnant of God's people began to obey. If you have your own Bible or even one of ours, you have a pen or pencil there or highlight on your own mobile device, began to obey the message from the Lord their God. When they heard the words of the prophet Haggai, whom the Lord their God had sent, the people feared the Lord. Then Haggai, the Lord's messenger, gave the people this message from the Lord. I am with you, says the Lord. That's important. You're not on your own in this. I'm with you. So the Lord, and I, again, you'll see up here on the screen, I think, sparked the enthusiasm of Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, gutter of Judah, and the enthusiasm of Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the enthusiasm of the whole remnant of God's people. They, here it is, began to work on the house of their God, the Lord of Heaven's armies, on September 21st of the second year of King Darius's reign. It says they began to obey. This is all about now GSD, getting stuff done. Let's get some stuff done. And you can keep making excuses for it, Let's stop the excuse. Let's get stuff done. And I love it here. It says they began to obey. I'm about to blow your mind with the earth shattering, twist you up and flip you upside down. Write this down today. You'll never get anything done until you start. Never, nothing significant ever gets done until somebody starts. We don't need, sometimes we get so and different personalities are wired differently on this, but we get so wired into, okay, I, I gotta get more facts and I gotta research more, I gotta ask this more question, I gotta do this, I gotta check this thing out. Here's what happens in church settings and in group settings. Let's form a, I'll throw my mouth right now, a committee. <laughs> and all committees do is decide why we can't do it, why we shouldn't do it. We have a little phrase we use around here, our staff hates it, but I don't care because I have the mic today. I call it ready, fire, aim. Because too many of us, too many people, organizations and people, Waiting around, that's ready, 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 ready. Now aim, 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 aim. By the time you fire, the target's gone. It's like, what, what are you doing, dude? So it's, hey, sometimes like, mid-course corrections. And when you ever make good decisions, starting counseling, uh, getting some uh, work on your finances with your kids, your marriage, start. Just get going and take it slow and start small. Don't worry about big, huge leaps. And it, it, otherwise, you'll get discouraged if you try to think, I'm going to get there in 10 minutes. It's going to take some time. And then it says that, they, that God sparked the enthusiasm of the leaders. Um, how many of you have ever accomplished anything just because you were supposed to do it? If you were, there's a few of us that can be motivated by guilt or by, it's just the right thing to do. I'm telling you, nobody ever sustains anything long-term just because they're supposed to. We, we, we should quit shooting. You should, you should do this. Parents with your kids, 
spouses with each other, teachers with the, the students you teach. It's, the, the Bible tells us that great teachers, great leaders make the experience joyous and exciting. Nobody ever thinks because they're, they're supposed to do it because they should. Obligation, write this down, obligation needs enthusiasm. Obligation needs enthusiasm. And for me and for us here, when I see things going on in your lives, and I know some of your stories, I don't know all your stories, but my prayer all the time is God not just change their behavior, it's God, would you spark, would you make it exciting for them? Would you light something up in them? Because then all of a sudden, financial freedom and a great marriage and all that is not because, well, if I have to. Nobody ever does anything long-term because they have to because they're supposed to. They start to see like this would be exciting. This would be that something good will happen. I'll be this would be, be encouraging and stuff like that. So they um, all the time pray for that for you guys. That God would spark the enthusiasm. Guys, this is what happened with us, partly with a purpose. We raised a bunch of money for missions, not because we were supposed to, because it was exciting. We got to do it. Raised a bunch of money, that that kind of thing. So in the real world now, you got this thing idea. Okay, there's some things in my life, and maybe right now I. We listed out some things at the first part of the message. I don't know what your particular thing is right now, but just think for a bit right now. What's that thing that maybe it's time to take some action on? And maybe it's God saying, hey, it's, the time is now. And maybe I've been making excuses about, eh, just not sure about it. So maybe write that down. It's time to do something about, and you fill the blank in there. I'm not telling you what yours, your particular thing should be. Now, I want to get super practical here because if we're not careful, it'll be like, let's build a better marriage. Let's have better finances. Let's do stuff with our kids, a better healthy family. You go, all that is is great intentions, but no specific, what what are we going to do about that? So when you have an idea of what you want God to do or what you'd like to see God to do in your life, your marriage, your finances, start a business, uh, the first thing here is make it measurable. And we're going to take you through some scenarios of that in just a second. Make it measurable and then as you pick something that you want to see God do in your finances or your marriage or your business, whatever, then pick two or three behaviors, specific behaviors that will help make this possible up here. Whatever that specific goal is, two or three behaviors that will help make that possible. And then pick some consequences, both positive and negative consequences, rewards and some difficult things. And the more you can make it be a reward, like if I get these behaviors done, not if I reach the goal, if for a week I follow through on the, the things I said I was going to do, then I'm going to give myself a reward for that. Now, sometimes reward and positive reinforcement is what we need. Sometimes, sometimes what we need is some negative reinforcement. I was ta- uh, hearing this podcast by this guy talking about this week, uh, a couple weeks ago. He said, uh, he had a buddy of his who wanted to get in better shape, wanted to quit smoking, just had some issues there, wanted to do that. And so they set this plan up, positive reinforcement, positive reinforcement, and the guy would get a bit here and then just trip up and fall again and screw it up and just whatever. So what he said, we need a different tactic here. And the tactic was this. He said to this, his buddy, he said, so you want to quit smoking, you want to make sure you're at the gym twice a week, Think of an organization, a political party or a sports team or someone or some cause or something that you absolutely despise. You despise them. And here's the deal. If the next cigarette you smoke, the next time you skip the gym, a $500 check is going to that organization. (laughs) 
That guy never smoked again. I said, there's no way I'm doing that. I, I just, and he, and it wasn't, he wasn't like, 500 bucks wasn't going to kill him. It would be significant. I'm not giving one dime to those people. So establish, the, the third thing, the fourth thing here is establish accountability. You need a band of brothers and sisters around you. And the accountability is this. You need people. We all need people around here. That's why our groups are all about this, is relationships forming. You put somebody to, to put their arm around your shoulder and just go, come on, you can, you can keep going and, and, and keep doing this. I know you're tired. I know you're frustrated. It's not me working here. So you need some encouragement. You need some good accountability that way. You also know you need some people that will once in a while kick you in the rear end. When they put their arm around your shoulder, they will take you and they will grab you by the throat and go, hey, what are you doing, pal? You would say you're going to follow through in this. What are you doing? You'll need that. And now, for those of you <laughs> that imagine yourselves as pit bulls for Jesus and think you're going to go out there and be the one that's going to go out there and confront people and tell them what to do and yell at them all the time, this has to be invited in. You don't just get to go out there and start holding people accountable when they didn't ask you to do that. <laughs> and then when you follow through, and not that you've reached the goal necessarily yet, but when you have had a good week where you followed through on some of those th two or three behaviors, spike the ball, celebrate. Because what's going to happen here is you'll go there and go, well, we're not there yet, but, go, but, I, but this week I did the thing I was supposed to do. Spike the ball, celebrate, win. Now, here's some examples of this. Uh, when it comes to spiritual growth and it, besetting sin kind of issues in your life, I don't know what yours is. Mine is frustration and anger uh, all the time. And so a, a while ago, I said, God, I want to get better at that. And so, okay, I want to be more, more gentle, uh, less angry. And so, I, so my, my two or three behaviors were is two times a day for the next month, I'm going to be able at the end of the day to document a couple times when I had an impulse to go, oh, and instead I responded in jealousy and kindness. Sometimes like for your finances, uh, I, want, I want to have better finances. Well, better finances, you're going to get there just saying, I want to have better finances. That didn't do anything. Where you go is, I want to have $1,000 in emergency fund, or I want to pay you know, credit card debt. And you go, so what am I going to do to make that happen? Quit drinking $7 cups of coffee, Maybe. Maybe it's I've got to get a side hustle job. Maybe there's just different ways to do that. I'm not here telling you what your action plan should be, but you've got to start figuring out some kinds of things to make that happen. For some of us, it's you're not a Christian yet, and you've thought about it and wondered, is it time? Should I do it? The, the, one of the best things you can do is what you're doing today is, hey, we're not going to skip church right now. i got some things I want to learn about this, and I'm curious about this, so I'm going to be here. I'm going to join a small group and ask some questions there. I'm going to actually, here's one for you. For the next three weeks, three chapters a day out of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John to really get to know who this Jesus person you guys are all excited about. And discover it for yourself. Not to let me get them to tell you about it, but to discover that for yourself. Uh, one thing you do on that, practical step is indicate interest on that connection card. Just say, hey, becoming a Christian and, and getting baptized, I'm curious about that. So I want to talk to somebody about that. It would be an action step you'd take. Uh, some other things, quickly. I want to lose my health. I want to lose X number of pounds, uh, kind of a thing. You can say, I just want to get more health. I want to lose weight. Does anybody ever lose weight because they go, I just want to lose weight? What you have to do, you have to go, okay, here's some things I'm going to do to make that happen. I'm going to cut out for the next month, no dessert, period. I'm going to go to the gym two, two times, three times a week. Simple things like that. I want to get better at family and marriage and and parenting, and I think our communication is not as good as it should be. 
And it's not like we're horrible and awful to each other, but just because of these devices. <laughs> so at 6 o'clock every night, we're putting our devices up in the cupboard. And I know you're going to go, oh, my God, Steve, but you don't understand. <sighs> I'm not sure I could do that. And what if somebody wants to reach me? Trust me, pal, you're not that important. You're not that important. Yeah, if somebody really had to reach you, they would call the police and do a welfare check on you. If they really, really, really had to reach you, if it was an emergency kind of thing. Uh, starting a new... Sometimes, too, it's like, okay, the phone's away. Sometimes, too, it's like, okay, let's do date nights. So I'm going to go with my wife, with my husband, or with my kids... Once a week, we're going to do an, a date night, and we're going to build that in every Thursday night, Friday night. That's going to be a priority. We put it on our calendar to make it happen. A new job or career. Shoot, starting this church. <laughs> to move out into something where I was very established and things were going great, and to go, let's go just start something from nothing and see what happens here. Some, for you, some of you that's uh, starting a new career or starting your own business, it's, yeah, what do I do about that? One of the things I did was, I got to go talk to two or three people that have done this before and find out what do I need to know about this? What's the dumb tax? What's the dumb things you did that I want to repeat? What are the good things that you did? So we learned that kind of thing. So you talk to people. You get interviews with people in the field. Now, they begin the work and they're excited about it. And then we get to Haggai chapter, or Haggai chapter 2. October 17th of that same year. That's about four weeks after they began to do the work again. The Lord sent another message through the prophet Haggai. Say this to Zerubbabel, son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest, and the remnant of God's people there in the land. Does anyone remember this house, this temple, and its former splendor? How, in comparison, does it look to you now? It must seem like nothing at all. You're going, well, that's a great encouraging word. If you want to, you can flip back to it. The, the verses will be up here on the screen. From Ezra, Ezra chapter 3, who recounts the building of the temple. Ezra chapter 3, verse, um, verse 12, it says this. The foundation of the temple was laid. It says, but many of the older priests, Levites, and other leaders who had seen the first temple wept aloud when they saw the new temple's foundation. You know why? Because they go, well, we know what this used to be. And whenever that happens, you're going to get to a place where you're going... With your marriage, with your finances, you're going to do some work and go, are we ever going to get there? Is it ever going to be this idea of what I want it to be someday? And we'll think, what's the, what's the point? What's, why should we do this? Here's the deal, guys. Every single time you have an impulse to do something in your life, you'll have enthusiasm, you'll get going, and somewhere... Four days to four months to four weeks, somewhere in there you're going to go, what's the point of this? What's the point of this? It's not if that's going to happen to you. That will happen. You'll go, what's the point? You just want to give up. So when discouragement sets in, we're going to see some things here in, chat, in these next two verses. There'll be a framework for them back then and for you today. He says here, but now the Lord says, Be strong, Zerubbabel. Be strong, Jeshua, son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Be strong. Whenever the Bible repeats things that many times in one verse, and when he says that, it says, be strong. You know why? Because we're weak. 
Be strong, he says. Uh, and he says, and get to work. I'd highlight, underline that in my Bible. For I am with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies. My spirit remains among you, just as I promised when you came out of Egypt. So do not be afraid. A couple of reminders here, guys. Whenever you get into stuff like this, important stuff, important stuff is never easy. Important stuff is never easy, especially at the beginning. And sometimes what will happen is you're going to make a decision on this with your marriage, your finances, with the business, and you're going to go, well, maybe I'm not supposed to do this because God doesn't want me to do this because look how difficult this is. Maybe the son that God wants you to do it, do this is, is that it's hard. I learned this with Financial Peace University stuff years ago. Denise and I took this course and um, studied through it, and we started doing the first thing for a couple of months. It was awful. It was awful. It was so frustrating, so difficult, so challenging, because you wouldn't but not believe how long it took Denise to get her act together financially. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's terrible. It, it was that. And then I just started working out at a, a, a gym here in town with... Uh, with Crystal, who's up here, we're leading worship. That's one of her gigs that she does, and Franco. And uh, like my first, I think my third session in, I'm there with Franco in the gym. And I, I mean, I have not really worked out, worked out. Big surprise, right? Yeah. Um, and so he, he looks at me and says, hey, Steve, how you feeling? And my response was, if I was feeling great, you probably wouldn't be doing your job. The tough things at the beginning, that there's a little phrase in the gym that says, says something like this, when the tough, when the road gets tough, the tough keep going, and they get there sooner than those who just find the road easy. So sometimes it's important to recognize important stuff is never easy. And if we're not careful, what will happen is nostalgia will set in. We'll look back to how it used to be. And here's the deal, guys. The glory days just never were. It's never, we, we myopically, we, we edit things out, we, we, sanitize how good it used to be. It never was. And then we'll compare ourselves. We'll compare like, oh God, we're never going to get to where I want to be. And we'll look at this idealized expectations of what we want it to be and go, it's never going to get there. And God goes, well, but we're going to do something great here. It may not get to that, but something great will happen. Or <laughs> we'll compare it to somebody else's marriage, somebody else's finance, somebody else's kids, somebody else's business, somebody else's church, somebody else's ministry and think, oh, What's the point here? Because it just seems like we're just, eh, about this. And I'm telling you this right now. Our problem, especially in the world now that we, you and I, the water we swim in, is we are comparing our everyday footage with somebody else's highlight reel. Yes. We're doing that. And I'm telling you, you go talk to those people. I mean, you, you know people, there's people here in this church. You go talk to them. I want to talk to them about, like, like, look at them. They are awesome. Their finances, their kids, their, all their thing. And you go talk to them and go, oh, trust me, pal. It's not near as good as you think it is. There's certainly challenges and difficulties in that. And then here, he says there, here's the action plan now. Those are some reminders in the action plan now when you feel like, oh, I want to keep going, but I'm, I'm kind of getting worn out and frustrated. Here's the, the first one is, choose, choose to be strong. If I'm going to get something done here, I'm going to choose to be strong. And choosing to be strong doesn't mean you are strong. Choosing to be strong maybe means this. I need to quit listening to myself and start talking to myself. Amen. And that means let the word of God talk to me and get in there and remind myself of the promises that God made for me and the people around me. Don't just sit there because if you just passively delay your mind just going, you're just going to cycle down into stuff and I suck and I'm ridiculous and terrible. Let's just forget it. Give up. 
Choose to be strong. He also tells them to get to work. And I put up here on the phrase here, get to work or get back to work. You started something, get back to work. When the passion's gone, persevere. When the excitement fades, and it will, you just keep showing up. And you talk to people who have ever achieved anything, and they'll tell you over and over again, they think, what was your strategy? What was the magic, what's the magic secret sauce in this? You know what it was? I just kept showing up. I just kept showing up. Shoot, we started the church. And we guys, we got into this thing two or three years, and I came from a big, successful church. We're going to kick butt and take names here. And then it didn't happen the way I thought it should. And I kept looking at the big goal out there. And the guy I used to work with at North Coast down in Vista looked at me and said, hey, Steve, quit worrying about six months, six years from now. Get to next week. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up at the gym. Keep showing up at counseling. Keep showing up with the budgeting process. Just keep showing up. And then refuse to let fear and discouragement paralyze me. Fear and discouragement, Will said in. He's not saying don't be afraid, like don't feel feelings of fear. He said, I'm not going to let it paralyze me. I'm not, when I get discouraged, I'm not going to let that be the thing that drives me. Over one book to the right in your Bible is the book of Zechariah. Zechariah is a contemporary of Haggai and Ezra while they're rebuilding the temple. In Zechariah, chapter 4, verse 10, they're talking about this time of rebuilding the temple, and people are going, oh. In comparison, it's kind of lame and silly. What, what are we doing here? What God says. Do not, chapter 4, verse 10. Do not despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin, to see the plumb line. This is a, a tool of architecture back then. The plumb line in Zerubbabel's hand. I will refuse to let fear and discouragement paralyze me. And then he says over and over again here, I'm with you, I'm with you. I'm with you. The fourth commitment you have to make if you're ever going to see anything through is I, I'm going to stay connected to Jesus. Not stay connected to myself and my willpower because you, on your willpower and yourself, please. You're not going to do it. You stay connected deeply to Christ and the Spirit. And, and what happens here, this is why Jesus, over and over again, the Bible says, don't be afraid, I'm with you. Don't be afraid, I'm with you. Not don't be afraid, come on. Suck it up, buttercup. It's don't be afraid. I'm with you. Jesus is standing on the Mount of Olives and he tells these 12 fools <laughs> that they don't get it most of the time. They, the 12 disciples. He says, the mission of Christ is now in your hands. Go change the world. Is he talking to us? You know what he says here? Not because you're awesome. He says, because I'm with you. And I'll be with you all the way to the end. Stay connected to Jesus. This means in your life, in your finances, in your money, uh, in, your, in your family, your marriage, ministry stuff you're part of, in your business world, you stay deeply connected to Jesus and God becomes central to that. You'll watch something happen there that will multiply that in beautiful, amazing ways. And then, the whole reason I'm so excited about this being the final message of our series in here was these next few verses. He says, be strong, Get back to work. Don't let fear and discouragement paralyze you. Stay connected. I'm with you. Verse 6. For this is what the Lord of heaven's army says. In just a little while, I will again shake the heavens and the earth, the oceans and the dry land. I will shake all the nations and the treasuries, treasures of all the nations will be brought to this temple. I will fill this place with glory. In your own Bible, glory. Highlight that. Underline that says the Lord of heaven's armies. The silver's mine, the gold's mine, says the Lord of heaven's armies. 
the future glory of this temple will be greater than its past glory, says the Lord of heaven's armies. And in this place, I will bring peace. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. They're looking to go, and it's not very much right now, and it seems kind of lame and silly, but he says, hey, the future glory is going to be greater. And you know what I think is going to happen? He says, just keep showing up. Just be strong. Look what's going to happen. And it's, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. Just take your time and get there. You know what happens when the temple gets built? Compared to the first temple? Mm. Not near as big. Not near as grand. You're going, so what's he talking about here? He says, the future glory will be greater. We need to see differently, number five. We need to see differently. The way, we're going to sing a song today called Magnificent. How our culture, how you and I gauge what is magnificent and glorious and beautiful is very, very different than how God does that. Very, very different. We tend to see the outward signs of things. We tend to see uh, the things that, what God is doing in our life. And he says the future glory is going to be greater of this second temple that's going to be built. It's going to be greater even though it's going to look like, really? What's greater about this? In the first temple, they had this thing called the Ark of the Covenant. Indiana Jones, remember the, the, all that kind of thing, yeah. So uh, they had the temple there, and, 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 and over that Ark of the Covenant, it says the manifest presence of God hovered over that. Now, God's everywhere present, but from time to time, he shows up and goes, here I am right here. So that's how he did it oftentimes, was this essence over the Ark of the God's presence was actually there over that, and then the ark got captured and they lost it until Indiana Jones found it in 1947. <laughs> but the glory wasn't there anymore. I mean, they, the, the temple, that first, they, even the first temple was beautiful, but the ark was gone. And it says the future glory is going to be greater. And you know why it's going to be greater? Not because of what is there, but because who's there. 500 years later, 500 years later, John tells us in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Everything was made through the Word, and we all that kind of stuff. And then in verse 13 and 14, says this, And the Word, the uncaused cause of the universe, who spoke billions of light years of galaxies into existence and put everything together here, says that Word became flesh, and He dwelt amongst us. And it says this, And we beheld His glory. The glory of the only begotten Son of the Father, full of grace and truth. The reason that temple was glorious is because Jesus walked in there. Now, here's the crazy part about that. When Jesus walked in there, nobody went, awesome, the glory of God. No, no, nothing happened there. He tells us uh, he was despised and rejected of men. It tells us he was not that much to look at, not all that charismatic. What's so great about him? See, the, the difference is that we tend to see glory differently by outward symbols and God says you need to learn to see differently. That the glory of your marriage, the glory of your finances, the glory of your company, your business is not what God does. It's that he gives you himself. That he'll put himself right in the center of your life. The band's going to come up right now. We're going to take a moment to sing some songs about the magnificent grace of God and what he does. We're going to sing a song too that talks about this. If you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I'll wait. If you say to trust, I'll obey. Teach me how to follow in your ways. I'm done chasing feelings. 
So I wonder what that thing is for you today, guys, what God has put in your heart. to take. Let's take some action on this. Don't waste the summer. Take action on it. Put this action plan into place. Some of you here today going, there's some things I need to take action on. Our prayer team is in the back of the house today. Right back there against that back wall, back those, those brown doors back there. Go back there. When, when the lights go down here, people will be singing songs and stuff. Go back there and let them pray with you and pray for you about that. Bring, establish some goals and accountability. Do that today. We also give you a chance every week here at Cross Point to come and receive communion. It's a piece of bread and, and some juice representing the body and blood of the one who became flesh and dwelt amongst us, who laid his life down for us so that we could have life. So Jesus, today, we love you. God, my prayer is that you would spark enthusiasm and spark, in, spark perseverance for those next steps of what you want to tell us to do right here, right now. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this podcast. For more resources, check out go to crosspoint.com.